We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history? Still in the make. The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Here's what he did. Rhyme it. Do you know how to rhyme it? Oh, please just rhyme it. And he really gets into it. Do you know how to rhyme it? We will be rocking in LA. So let's rhyme it today. Just rhyme it. Yes. We are going to rhyme it. Just yeah, rhyme that's it. That's where he just ran down. Everybody rhyme it. it. We'll be rocking in LA. Say hello to the Rams today and ram it. I mean, he, now he's like on his feet. Ram it. <laughs> wow. Ram it. Oh, hey, everybody. Welcome back to Rams Brothers the Pod. This is episode 28, and uh, co host Nick, sidekick, we're just having fun at this point, man. How are you doing? I'm great. I still can't believe that that's Elton John singing that song. <laughs> Believe it, man. It's Elton John. There is, uh, there's no uh, two ways about it. That is, is purely Elton. Yeah, that's about as Elton as it gets. I'm feeling good, man. I'm feeling good. It feels good to be three and zero. That was a fun game. Uh, obviously, I was rocking a Ram shirt today at work, and a lot of people were like, "Hey, man, that was that was a cool one." And uh, before we jump into anything, I just want to say, uh, honestly, you got to give the Browns and Nick Chubb some credit. They were going out there with a really beat up secondary, having like almost all backup guys, and they did a great job. And they made it close all game. But uh, they, uh, their young offense, proved to be not good enough for our veteran D. <laughs> our veteran D came out and played really well. The defense, Nick, as as a whole unit, just really looks like a full upgrade from last year. 
But before we jump into some of the uh, the details about our team and and uh, you know what happened in the game last night, let's talk about the Browns for a second because from the Browns' perspective, Nick, that wasn't the worst showing that you could have ever expected from a team in prime time that isn't necessarily up to speed. And you know they're they're a young team; they're going to play penalties em- though. They're going to they, play emotional. They really helped us out by having a lot of penalties on them. Yeah, early on they they certainly did. Uh, I think they only ended up having one more penalty than we did overall. Uh, but aside from that, early on, yeah, they, they played a little bit emotional. You could tell that prime time that the stage was big and that there was a lot of energy in the stadium. And Nick, that that list of inactives was so long, so you had to expect that you know there were, there were going to be players that have been there for 24 hours that came in and made plays. I mean, that Justin Burris interception from the Browns, he came in and picked one off. And Fred Kitchens, after the game, said he's been here for 24 hours. And he came in and made that play. Nick, the list of inactives was so long. They had two backup corners, Nick. No Denzel Ward, no Greedy Williams. They had two backup safeties, and we didn't see any Morgan Burnett or any Demarius Randall. We saw Terrence Mitchell and TJ Carey a corner. Nick, two guys that we don't even really know a ton about, let's be honest. And we saw the uh, same with Justin Burris and Jermaine Whitehead, who ended up being two serviceable safeties for the Browns yet last night. And the Browns did exactly kind of what the blueprint was you know, in New England and in Detroit and in Chicago, uh, you know, that they were going to, to bring pressure up the middle. You know, they're going to stack the box with five or six guys on the line of scrimmage, and they're going to make Jared Goff try and beat you. Yeah, I mean, that's like that's like us not having Tlaib, Peters, Weddle, John Johnson, and Taylor Rapp. And, you know, they still manage to play really well against a, a high, hot, you know, flying offense under McVay, which... Even if uh, you know our running backs didn't really explode, you still you still have a great quarterback in Goff, and some of the best. The, the, I think I honestly personally believe that we have the best receiving core. So kudos to the Browns for really stepping it up yeah. defensively. It's a good point, Nick, and and honestly, you know, you made a good point about all those players being out. If we didn't have all, you know, Talib, Peters, Weddle, John Johnson, what are we going to do there, right? It's a complete, it's a new look defense. It's a completely different team. Especially um, um, the last drive of the game, like they were the entire last drive, and also Matthews, of course, and Donald um, stepping it up big time. But yeah, I mean, they're the reason at the very end, the last couple seconds, why we won that game. Yeah, Nick, and you know, aside from the energy being really strong, and we'll get back to that, uh, but the offensive line, Nick, is is really nothing to ride home about. And they were they were fine for the most part. And you know, the Browns, you said Nick Chubb was he played his ass off last night, and, and hats off to him because they continue to stick with the run. But they really had a difficult time trying to protect Baker Mayfield, and he seemed like he wanted absolutely no part of the Rams' defensive line. Chris Collingsworth called it out a couple times last night that yeah, he, he once he gets flushed out of the pocket, he doesn't spend a lot of time thinking about if he's going to stay in the pocket, if he's going to try to to step up and make a throw. He gets flushed out to the right hand side, and Nick, one, once you're kind of committed to the run, uh, you know Baker Mayfield's going to struggle to to push the ball down the field if he's not consistently making those those short quick uh you know under pressure completions that he was doing in the, you know in the in the first half of the game when he was He's 12 he of, was 12 of 13 Nick in the beginning of the game he wants to be more of like a Kyle Murray kind of guy where like he can scramble and run and make a play out of nothing but it's really he doesn't have that kind of athleticism when he gets out of the pocket you're not going to see the same kind of presentation as if uh, it was Goff who, you know, would like step up and make the throw after hitting the scramble and stepping into it as opposed to hitting it on the run. 
which right. is more of Baker style. Yeah, and I mean, Baker found Odell Beckham Jr. a couple times down the field for, what, six receptions for 56 yards? And we will, catch. Yeah, we'll take that any day, Nick, honestly, from Odell Beckham. But that's all from Baker Mayfield kind of trying to find a broken play uh, and Beckham breaking free after a couple seconds and finding an open spot in the zone. Uh, but honestly, Nick, it, it, there was some great pressure by the Rams, you know, aside of the fact that the Browns offensive line is really not that strong. But also, you, you know, you're hearing it from the crowd. Uh, and First Energy Stadium was loud last night. It really f- felt like the dog pound really brought the energy. I know that Baker Mayfield sent a text. Yeah, he sent out that freaking tweet. Yep. Sent out, I'm sorry, I said text. Uh, he sent out a tweet to, to everybody and, and told all of, of Cleveland to bring that energy to, fir- to First Energy Stadium. And I don't see why, you know, there's there's nothing wrong with a quarterback doing that. Um, but I think no, when, when but you're... But you know what it kind of reminded me of? Remember when Sean Payton was like, yeah, we're going to need you guys to be making a lot of noise all the time. It's a, it's a desperation, like, hey, we're not the better team here. We need any any kind of help that we can get. Like, I don't want... Like, I, I don't think you would ever see, um, you know, McVeigh telling the fans, like, hey, bring the energy more tonight, guys. Like, we really need... We, we're, we're relying on you. More of just McVeigh probably saying something along the lines of, uh, I hope the fans come out and represent tonight. Yeah, and that, that, that's a good point. We don't want, you know, there's no desperation that needs to be heard from the Rams' perspective. And it's, you know, Baker is that kind of person that plays off of, of other people's energy. And, and he's kind of, you know, that high-spirited, high-sprung kind of player. I think he's, he's very much full of himself. Uh, before the game, Nick, I don't know if you saw, but he was he was playing the air drums um, in, in the warm-ups to Phil Collins in the air tonight. He was really feeling himself like he usually does. Um, and, you know, the crowd went nuts. And honestly, that's kind of what they're hanging on to at this point is the hopes that Baker Mayfield can develop into, you know, what, what they want him to be. Um, and, and that's hard to come by when you're a Browns fan. Yeah. Uh, I guess he woke up feeling dangerous and with Phil Collins, but... Yeah, not dangerous enough. <laughs> Definitely not dangerous enough. But Nick, we got you want to move on to the Rams because from the Rams perspective, I, it, it, we went both ways on Twitter. Um, I, you know, I, I think from our perspective, we were a little bit concerned. You know, we we have a pessimistic father. So we we sit consistently with somebody's nitpicking despite the fact that you know, he coached uh, at a lower level and there's no knock to him but none of us are, are really coaches and nobody on Twitter is a coach that's for sure but that aside Nick Twitter fans yeah right uh, you know Rams fans in general are not coaches so we we understand it from that perspective but there are times when you understand that this league is very much a copycat league and it, it, it literally always has been. And we're going to have Jim Everett on a little bit later in the pod. Shout out to uh, to Jim Everett for joining us again. Um, Uncle Jim! Yeah, <laughs> Uncle Jim will be joining us. Uh, but really, Nick, it all started last year uh, with Matt Patricia, who, you know, and I'm, I'm kind of, you know, putting this conspiracy theory together in my head that Bill Belichick talked to Matt Patricia before that game last year and said, let's test this, this theory on Jared Goff and let's blitz up the A-gap uh, let's let's bring two people right up the middle. Let's bring pressure on Goff and isolate the the receiver so that he has no time to make a throw. Um, and I feel like that theory was then tested out and kind of trickled down, I guess we could say, uh, to Chicago and to Philadelphia, and then again in the playoffs. Um, I, that's why there's a concern side of the fan base 
versus the fans that are just happy with the fact that it's 3-0. Because when, when you're at this point in the season and we're coming off of all of the hype that happened in the offseason and all the things that were, you know, that came off of us losing the Super Bowl, you really expect this team to come back and make a playoff run. So you can be as excited as you are for 3-0, but it, it's not necessarily the prettiest 3-0 of all time. I, it's a road win. What does that uh, mean? What does that even mean, Nick? Though prettiest three and zero of all time. Yeah, San Francisco's I mean, I three and zero. Three and zero is three and zero. I don't care if the Bills are three and zero and they're playing bad teams, or we're three and zero and we're playing better teams. At the end of the day, we're both three and zero, and that's really all that matters. Um, and with that theory, the trickle down economics, you're a puppet, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> um, I don't know because I think I think Goff is is learning from it, and I think. A lot of people want to say, yeah, I mean, he, the, the pressure was on. He couldn't really make the plays. He made a lot of great quick plays last night. And also, our offensive line is a shell of what it used to be. So you can, you know, you can pin it on Goff, but he stepped it up in a worse condition from last year. And I know it's not the Patriots D or the Chicago D, um, but they had some, uh, they were rushing pretty hard and Goff made some good throws. And I know you were talking about Dad being pessimistic pessimistic i was trying to keep the energy high because twitter was a mess when it was six three at half and uh, this is a direct tweet for me we got the ball we get the ball at half Gurley has yet to explode kind of never really did and but goff is making accurate throws give the boys some credit down by three and a half is nothing and i was right we came back and we won by seven and i know it was close but hey uh, seattle went to a freaking super bowl and won and oh in that season it seemed like every single game was close. Yeah, so, you're right. I mean, we had some close games last year too, uh, and we ended up in the Super Bowl as well. But that's kind of just the nature of, of how it happens. You have to be optimistic of the fact that Jared Goff is who he is and can make plays and step aside in the pocket and step up and make a throw to Cooper Cup or Brandon Cooks, who both had over 100 yards yesterday. So I didn't. You know, there are a lot of things that we see about Jared Goff that we absolutely love. Uh, then there are a couple moments where he might not step in the pocket and the defense causes a fumble. It's kind of the nature of having a broken down offensive line, Nick. You said it's a shell of itself of last year. I think that's a great way to, to put it all together. We got Demby playing offensive guard uh, or Blythe. Is, is he going to come back? You know, how, how serious is that ankle injury? Uh, but we're hopeful of the fact that this team is going to continue to progress forward. I think that that's what you're trying to say, too, is you got to kind of pump the brakes you can't be too too negative on the fact that we're three and zero because three wins is three wins no matter how you put it. Yeah, exactly. And I I, I truly see Goff improving, um, even if the narrative and Twitter doesn't want to you know kind of see that. He made some great plays after pressure was applied and stepped up into uh, into a throw with a with a great form uh, like form, which I love to see. I also like to see when he's when he when he runs and he had a really good run, but. If he just went, you know, like a little more of an athletic quarterback would have probably extended a little bit and tried to got that get that first down. And him not getting that first down led to a pick, which was a bad play by him. And mm-hmm. I know he was upset at that. But look, that's going to happen with a good quarterback. Brett Favre would throw crazy, like he saw it in the moment. And yeah, if you look at that play again, Gurley is not open like everybody thinks he is. Whoever was covering him, that corner or whoever that back. Like hops in right before Gurley would get the ball, which is what they were expecting. I mean, Goff should have ran it, yes, but I'm not going to discredit him for trying to make that 
throw. It was a bad throw, but he saw what he saw in the moment. Well, I guess the, the truth is... Stop is my guy. The truth is in the tweet, Stop obviously. So I, I guess that that means that uh, it was pretty obvious as to who tweeted that actual tweet. Um, but, the, you know, the fact of the matter is there was another option for Goff to... it was you. Yeah, obviously. Goff had the option <laughs> to be able to, to at least move up the middle or, or make a different play. Uh, but the linebacker dropped back and, and did a total 360, spun around, and made a play on the ball. It was unbelievable to tip it up and, and cause the interception. So after you watch it a couple times, the thing about Twitter is it's an emotional game. So you're going to initially tweet the reaction that because you know you're feeling some type of way about what just happened on the field when you you know you felt in a particular moment that the game could be put away. So obviously the emotions get the best of you there. You know, but we're the, I think the thing to lay out on the table here is. We're very much not coaches, Nick. You and I are brothers and are Rams podcasters. <laughs> Though, you know, right, all, right, right. That's the, dis- yeah, that's mean, the disclaimer on all of it. Stephen A. Smith isn't a coach. Colin Cowherd isn't a coach. Uh, Skip Bayless isn't a coach. But, you know, it's it's entertainment to talk about this stuff because we're truly so passionate about it. That's true. Um, and you look at, I mean, we're from the Philly area, South Jersey. So, I mean, those fans are just absurd and will tell you exactly how the play should be called it's fun i like as much as you want to reiterate that point i think it's fun to to, to you know to do this and oh, it uh, always i just want to just since we're kind of on twitter a little bit i want to shout out my favorite tweet of the night it was so okay um and it's uh giraffe mode put someone's ankles in a blender talking about jocelyn <laughs> goff on that run and uh that just had me cracking up i thought the game was over there but lo and behold every time i think the game is over this year the Rams keep it in play, like with the Peters taunt <laughs> and the Goff run. It really, it seems like there's a close coming to an end, but that doesn't seem to happen. It's okay. Um, I want to, I, I want to just kind of briefly touch on uh, my main man Clay Matthews because one, he is so good in pitch perfect too, which we'll, you know, we'll probably circle back to later in the show. No, nope, but um, we won't. <laughs> Uh, dude's got more sacks this year already in three games than he had it all last year. And uh, he's just proving to be another great vet that we have on our team. You're and right. I, I, I love to see it. And him and Donald is the new Sue and Donald. And I think those are the two jerseys that you and I got to get because I'm hankering for a clay jersey and you still have yet to have your uh, – have your uh, Donald jersey yeah, I'm, I'm, talking about. I am buying an Aaron Donald jersey. I don't know if I'm going to wait for the new uniform to come out, whatever the heck that could look like. I have no idea. I don't know if I'm going to wait for that or I'm just going to buy uh, you know, the, the typical jersey, the home jersey, uh, or the old school jersey. I, I haven't even decided yet. But either way, I, that, that jersey will be purchased. I kind of like, uh, like the white. Yeah, the, the one that they ran last night. The white's pretty great, and you know what? He's a, a, an all-time player, and we're, we're so fortunate to be able to watch him as frequently as we are we're able to, because he does things that no other player has ever done. Uh, it's it's really an honor that he's a Ram, Nick. It was one of the best draft picks of all time. The fact that he is so disruptive and makes plays in the backfield, and he's you know next to unstoppable. Um, it's it's exactly what we could ever want. But, I mean, that's that's the problem. We have players like Aaron Donald, but the narratives get twisted. Um, and I know that you were talking about the narratives a little bit earlier, and I think that that's what we focus on a little bit too much as fans. Because if we could drown out all the white noise and the tweets, you know, from, and I don't mean to bash Lindsay here, but Lindsay Theory, her tweet on, uh, you know, Goff's rough outing in his first nationally televised game since the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, the narrative on him is 
<laughs> it's not about to improve after after this is what she meant in her tweet. And that's not necessarily fair to say. Because if you watch what Goff did last night, you know, he made one bad pass, one bad decision, which ultimately changes the full narrative of the game. I mean, there were a, a lot of drop passes early on, Nick, maybe three, four that we had to, to kind of move aside from and, you know, kind of change up the game plan there. Yeah, I mean, I think um, I just hate all of the Goff hate. It's just overwhelming. He's on a good team, and it's like somebody – people just want to spin it so that the Rams are still bad. Like, the Rams are a good team, and as soon as you can get that through your skull that Goff is a good quarterback, the Rams are a good team, this is going to go away. I don't know why some people choose to favor the – quarterback in some stances and some people choose to favor the coach what court i mean this is this is from coward i'm not gonna lie he's my favorite guy to, to listen to but what Strange. good quarterback doesn't have a good coach behind them what good quarterback is doing it alone i mean what russell maybe Pete carroll had his time i mean maybe he's figured out now but come on like people just like to favor the athletic coach it's why even though kyle Murray hasn't won a single game People are still like, oh, wow, kids, kids really got heart. Kid can really play. Yeah. <laughs> Same thing with Baker Mayfield. I'm done with it. it I'm it, about a win, and Goff is a team player. It's we, not me, and he's doing a great job. Yeah, well, he is, and that's why the narratives get us so so tangled up. Uh, because, you know, you come across one about Jared Goff, and then you come across an article. Uh, this is actually on Sportscasting by Dave Colanzario, or however you say his name. Don't feel like pronouncing it the right way because the article is titled Todd Gurley is an average running back getting paid like an elite one. Uh, and it goes on to, to spit some nonsense. Probably he drafted him fourth overall in his fantasy league and he's not performing well. So he's going to write a, you know, a, a grudge article about him and try and frame it the wrong way. But, you know, the fact of the matter is they're having a hard time running the ball inside. And the narratives about Jared Goff kind of just have to be put to rest after some point because the kid's 24 and he's doing everything he can in his power to make plays. He played his ass off in the second half. I mean, he was really impressive. Made a couple throws down the field uh, that were lasers uh, in pressure with, with hands in his face. He, re, he, you know, throws that Baker Mayfield still can't make. Uh, Jared Goff was making last night. So I think the narrative, Nick, I think we could leave everybody with this, too. The narrative is not only that we're 3-0. and The narrative is that... I, I, <laughs> we're 3-0, and and there's a lot of adjustments that can still be made. So we could be a much stronger overall team in the long run after just a couple games of, of figuring out what it is that needs to be adjusted on. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm just really excited to, uh, to see the Rams uh, tackle such a uh, weak team <laughs> next week in the Coliseum. And I'm just I'm, I'm mentally preparing for that. One thing... One thing that needs to be criticized, though, is McVay needs to work on his work on his timeout calling. I think it's it's the worst in the NFL behind maybe Tampa Bay. <laughs> I think that's fair. He called it what after a third and ten to Josh Reynolds it was his first well, catch of the year. It, he called it right before the third and ten. Right. It was Josh Reynolds actually showed up, and you know we all got excited for a second, and then you know the play was called back because McVay called a timeout. He's, he gets too much in his own head. Like, that clear, that must not have been a McVay play. Yeah. They, they, they probably had just saw something. McVay's like, no, wait, 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 wait. Like, like you have to trust the guys maybe a little bit. Yeah, I, I think that that's fair. I think that's fair. Yeah. I think we, we both saw the same thing. So. Yeah. Also, he just calls, like, early timeouts thinking that, like, another one's either just going to appear later. It's like the, the first quarter and it's, like, first and ten on like the 20 and McVay's calling the timeout. I'm like, you don't 
why did it stop our momentum right now, man? Like you, like I don't know what you're seeing that you think. I don't know. I mean, he knows. Obviously, he's got he's got a beautiful football mind, and I trust him all the way. But I, it's, it, that's just difficult to watch, just based on pure momentum. If you watch, if you've seen a lot of football games, but you know, I'm gonna let him do his thing, and he's gonna let me do my thing, which is him not even knowing I exist. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's a shame. Uh, but maybe, you know, Coach McVeigh will know that you exist when, you know, you, you slip him uh, a fresh sheet of Nick's picks and you tell him that you got six guaranteed winners on the board for him this week. And it, obviously, because it's illegal for him to bet, he can text you all of his secret bets. So not only will you have his phone number so that oh. you, could, you could text him about being on the pod and, you know, just text him about the Rams, send him selfies, but you, you could also... Give him free money. I'm sure that you know Coach McVeigh would love to hear about Nick's picks. Are we? Is that mean it's time to hop into Nick's picks? I I, I think that that was a pretty fair transition for you to jump in. What do you think? Uh, yes. Before we jump into Nick's picks, let's hear a quick word from our sponsor, my bookie. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm. Good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. Next Picks of the Week. Proud to you by Chips Ahoy. Sorry, we're hopping into Nick's picks. Uh, welcome back, everyone, to the expansion part of the podcast. Sidekicks gotta make a living somehow, you know? Uh, let's, let's do a little quick recap from last week to keep everyone on their toes from last week so we can easily swap onto their toes of this week. Toes in and toes out, like I always say. Hey, Dean? Hey. Okay. Uh, well, we, we, we got that Carolina W, even though Cam was out. That was nice. Minnesota W. We had a Bucks L, and I had the Giants before D talked me out of it. <laughs> but whatever, whatever. We got that Bills L. We got that tight, uh, that, that Bills W, like uh. I knew it. That really bad Titans L. And then we got the Rams to cover the spread and the win. Boom. Okay. So much better than the week before. We went, we went four for six. That's 67%, my friend. I passed. But barely. <laughs> you you know what I got? F plus. Click. <laughs> Too, uh, too bad the only bets I personally took from my picks, though, were the Titans big time and the Rams. So I broke just about even. Maybe this week I'll do I'll, – uh, I'll, I'll ride hide, do small bets from all my picks and see how that works. I mean, it, it, if I would have done that last week, I would have made more money. Wait, wait. Uh, what, is that, what does that mean? I mean, it, it means that I only put uh, big money on two teams as opposed to going through all my picks, which were the Titans and the Rams. And I didn't, um, I, I didn't touch the other picks. I was just guiding people with those. Uh, Dean, like always, I'm going to ask you your ultimate lock of the week. Dean's lock is two for two, by the way. So if you are going to just make one bet, I'm going to suggest you go with the Brother Beers bet. And Dean, what is it? Yeah, I would say the odds of me hitting three in a row are similar to if you're playing blackjack and you put $25 on the lucky lady's hand. Because you never, ever hit that, ever. You can do it 10 times in a row and you won't hit it. But me picking three times in a row, I think that there's a solid opportunity for me to bowl a turkey here. And I'm going to take 
the Packers, Nick, in Thursday Night Football. The Packers. Uh, you know what? No, I'm revoking that pick. I don't know what the Eagles are going to do. They're not going to be 1-3, and three, are they? No. Uh, but you, this is Dean's pick. I don't know. How about my lock of the week? Chiefs over the Lions. I'll take, okay, I like I'll take I like that, that as a lock. I'll take the spread. I'll take the money line. I'll take the points. I'll take all of it. <laughs> Come on, Dean. That's one hell of a pick. <laughs> what, what, what wins and losses and Nick's picks? Girlie's gonna kill it and you know it, chicks. Oh, yeah. Uh, All right, let's roll. Boo. First game of the week, I got Eagles versus Packers on Thursday Night Football. Finally, a good flipping Thursday night game. Jimmy Crimbus, Dean. These games have been, well, they've been poop. Uh, <laughs> they've been shit. Taki mushrooms. Ooh, I got you, Disney. Sponsorship still intact. <laughs> but seriously, these Thursday night games, especially last week, I couldn't, I couldn't stand some D3 college dropout. Uncle Rico wanted to be ripping $150 out of my hands. Did I just reveal how much I put on the Titans to win? Yikes, kabibbles. Okay, well, uh, regardless, I, regardless, I like the birds. 150, Jeez. When, uh, when, when the city feels down and out with the Eagles, that's usually when they rally, especially when they're dogs, which they are this week. Uh, but man, Vegas is not being very favorable to them. The spread is Eagles plus four and a half, which is one of the weirdest spreads I've ever seen. And while that spread is tempting, I like the Eagles outright. I do not think the Packers are that good. They're 3-0 uh, with a young, free agent defense. One of those teams uh, that starts 3-0 ends up 9-7, uh, and I think, a lot of the Bills. Their D has been impressive, and even though a lot of Eagles are out, they play better when they're working uphill. Similar to the Rams, the Eagles need some time to get going. Second half team for sure. And I like them to have a come from behind victory. This season, and I really have liked what I've seen from Carson Wentz. He is the talent that we all thought he was. But for the love of God, Carson, don't rely on your legs all the time, bud. There are options on the field. Think and dunk a little. Not everything needs to be a huge play. Plus, you already got the injuries. Just, you know, some nice throws, run on the first down, and take home this W. Eagles with the close one. Too close for comfort win on Thursday night. I'm going to go 29-30, Birds victory. Okay. All right. I think that's fair. I like the Eagles yeah. to win that game, too, somehow. I think one point is is the perfect margin. I just don't think they're going to be one and three. That's just That just doesn't sound right. Yeah, it doesn't. Okay. Well, I, the only way they go one and three is if Carson gets hit in the game bad and he sits out and they pull out. I don't even know who they have right now. That's the only way I see them going one and three. Yeah, you've anyway. seen some Josh McCown versus Aaron Rodgers. We'd rather yeah. see Carson Wentz. Go ahead. Moving on to uh, Chiefs-Lions, which was uh, Dean's pick. Am I buying into the Lions' hype? They are undefeated, Dean, and just had a strong road win against the Eagles. They are. Do you buy their hype? I don't are think, you buying into it? I don't think they're undefeated. Well, they are technically because they tied. Oh. Oh, well then, yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I kind of like them for the spread, please. <laughs> Not oh, to win, please. Okay. Cool your Jets, people. Chiefs are favored to win by seven, and who knows? It could be a close game where the Lions D holds them, or it could be a shootout where Mahomes just goes off and Stafford kind of keeps up. I haven't watched the Chiefs game yet, just red zone, and they look pretty solid, obviously. Mahomes just going to be Mahomes, but their D isn't on par with the B-tier defenses. Hell, it might not even be on par with the C defenses, which is where the Eagles kind of lie, and the Lions put up 27 against them. So I like the over on this game as well. 
But I'm gonna go to go final score 36 to 40 Chiefs taking that W. Okay. I know you think that's high, but oh well, they're not your picks, they're Nick's picks. Okay? I think I think the only thing I would change about Nick's picks is if you got the winning team. <laughs> 36, <laughs> 36 to 40 Chiefs with the win. I'm like, oh wait, the Chiefs only scored 36, but they're never mind. Go ahead. Yeah, okay, all right, well, all right, well, technicality, technicality. <laughs> We're going to move on to the Bills versus the Pats. Undefeated team versus an undefeated team. Who will come out victorious? Both teams have played crappy teams prior to this this game. Both teams have a solid road win, and both teams have a great coaching staff. I mean, any given Sunday, right? The game is at Buffalo. It's a divisional rival. I think it's going to be close. I mean, you can't tell me this is an easy win for the Pats. Yeah, they're the Pats. But no Gronk, no Super Bowl MVP, Edelman, no AD. These Pats are due for an early season loss, like always. And who better than the Thirsty Bills? I mean, Josh Allen, man, he's small, he's athletic, he's lanky, calm. He's got those sick handshakes on the, uh, that he does on the sidelines. The, All right, I'm going to F with you. This team rallies behind the kid, and I'd love to see it. Bills Mafia, baby, break some tables for me. I like the Bills to cover. Obviously, the spread is way too high for the Pats at seven. So if you don't want to risk it all, take the spread. But you know me, the Dennis Rodman of podcast sidekicks. I am chaos personified. Nikki is taking the Bills outright. Final score, 27-23. Bills Mafia, baby. Let me get a woo! 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 Okay. Rip Flair. Nick's quick pick. Nick's quick pick. Rams cover the nine and a half point spread at home against the Stinky Bucks who called two timeouts in the red zone and almost blew their Thursday night game. Ramsey win. Okay. Yeah, that's my quick pick. And my last pick of the uh, of the week, I'll try to, you know, pull back some sanity and not go that guy who's, um, who's that guy that just screams on live TV and does stock market bets. Because that's what this is kind of based on. Jim Cramer. Yeah, that's, uh, I'll, I'll try to be less like him for this game because I think this is actually a, Pretty serious game. I don't have a lot to say about it. Saints versus Cowboys. I hope the Cowboys lose so the world collectively stops saying they're Super Bowl bound. Like, my gosh, it's like everyone and their dad and mother and mama is saying they're making it to the Super Bowl. In the words of Colin Coward, I think I've quoted him like three freaking times already. Teddy, uh, Teddy, the Saints QB, is a grown man. He can handle playing the game. And he had a nice win against the Sea Chickens last week. The game is in New Orleans, and that's a tough stadium to play in. We know that. I'm hoping and thinking and praying for the sake of my Eagles pals and the people annoyed at the media that the Saints take them down. And it would be a double rim, uh, win for the Rams because it would prove that the Rams um, beat a strong team against New Orleans. And it takes the Cowboys down a notch in the NFC standings. I'm thinking strong defensive effort, similar to when the Cowboys stopped the Saints last year in the Dome, except this time... The Saints are taking down the Cowboys. 13-10, I'm going to go Saints with the victory, money line. Looking forward to watching that game. Yeah, it's the so backup got, quarterback theory, Nick. You got yeah, Everybody's yeah. rallying around Teddy Bridgewater. It's a, that's a, it's a real theory. Remember Kurt Warner? Yeah, remember Kurt Warner? Remember Tom Brady? Remember I, Nick Foles? I, I do. I remember all three. Yeah, me too. They're all cool guys. Okay. So we got the Eagles with the W, Chiefs, Bucks. I like the lines to cover. Bills outright, Rams big time cover win, and the Saints over the Cowboys. Boom! Send it, publish it, 
Give it to Uncle Jim for approval. Uh-huh. All right, I'm gonna sign it, seal it, send it over to Uncle Jim. How do you feel? I'm, I'm pretty confident in your picks this week. I think they're, they're getting a little bit stronger. I think what was the first week was uh, 23%. This week was, past week was 66.7%. So you passed barely a plus. This yep. week, this week you could be, you know, who knows, even at 80%. I, uh, I, I think there's nowhere to go but up, even though that's not true. But I really like the Eagles this week. I really like um, the Bills. I think the Bills are just a fun team to watch. I hope they don't get creamed by the Pats. Um, and I like the Lions, too. They're all kind of dogs. But then, you know, I'm going to give it to my boys, Rams. They're all dogs besides the Rams. Which is funny. I think, I think that's just how I like to bet. Um, or maybe that's just I, – I just like to root for the underdogs because who doesn't? Well, everybody, thanks for uh, listening to another uh, episode of Rams Buzz the Pod. Uh, we got a, a surprise, rarely cool guest who's making his uh, second appearance on the pod, um, Jimmy Everett. Yeah, Jim's going to join us. Uh, actually, second surprise, my dad, uh, Rich, at RDVez or whatever the hell, Jersey Ram, his Twitter handle is, is going to be joining the interview. So he's going to ask a couple questions. He's been a Rams fan for 50 years at this point, uh, ever since he was six years old. So we're going to get a pretty cool perspective there. Thank all you guys for all the interaction on Twitter, uh, for all the support. Uh, we're happy to be a part of Rams Talk, and we're pretty excited about that partnership. So keep listening. The show is going to continue to get better. My co-host's picks are going to continue to be more accurate. I think he's getting better and better every single show. Uh, I think you are too, brother. Oh man, uh, that's that's so and the sweet. One thing, uh, one thing I want to say is uh, you gave Dad a really bad endorsement, so I'm just gonna give him a proper one. He's at rdvez1 on um, on Twitter, which is uh, Jersey Ram One is his handle name. Uh, he's a good follow. He likes uh, like li- likes talking about the Rams. He he watched uh, uh, Jim when he was uh, when he was playing. I wasn't alive yet, so uh, he's got a little more knowledge than we do. It's always great when he's on the show. Fans of Rams Brothers the Pod, please join us in welcoming LA Rams legend Jim Everett back to the show. Jim, uh, I'm joined today by my dad, Rich, and we'll call him our content coach for the show. Uh, he's going to be jumping in and asking you a few questions as well. But Jim, it's been a while since we've had you on. How you been? Hey, so... It's good to be here. It's, so what I'm getting here is not just Ram Brothers. This is Ram's family today. I had kind of a special thing having Rich on here and, and me getting to join you, Dean, and uh, you know, kind of, kind of a cool deal. Jim, um, I've actually created Ram's fans. <laughs> <laughs> Believe it or not, it's true. So All right. out-of-market guys um, got him in at a very young age at being a, a Rams fan, and here they are, you know, 25 years later, uh, following the tradition. So it's pretty exciting. Awesome. Yeah, it starts with you, Jim. Uh, but we're really curious, too, today, uh, as your thoughts, just, you know, on the start of the season this year. Uh, it's It's been the first time we've had the pleasure to talk to you this season, so we really kind of wanted to get an idea of, of where you think this team is ultimately headed this year. Well, I get, you know, I, I covered a lot of the preseason stuff and, you know, we didn't get to see all the starters and I was, I was really concerned about what was going to happen with the center position, the guard position. Um, now Blythe is out with, you know, Denby now moves at right guard. I think, I think that's working progress. You know, anytime one of the key things I talk about successful teams 
is you got to win the war in the trenches. And on the offensive side, when you replace two guys, when you replace Sullivan, um, you know, it, it's just it's it's a tough job. I mean, it's it's those five guys up front are so important. And I think that um, as I'm watching the let's say the first three games, I see. I see McVeigh a little bit more tentative on, you know, letting golf just, just hang back there and just straight up, you know, pass protect. I see a lot of, you know, a lot of trickery, a lot of uh, things to kind of try to help the line out. And I think until Coach McVeigh feels solid about the guys up front, I think you're going to keep seeing some, you know, step around things. And those are the things that we're kind of dealing with. But the fact is the Rams are 3-0. And, uh, you know, look at, I think on the flip side, you look at a defensive line, I was a bit worried about that nose tackle. Um, Sebastian Day has, has been doing an excellent job. I thought Gaines was going to get in, but he you know hasn't been show, you know in in the lineup as much. Um, but you know I really like what Clay Matthews has brought, what Weddles has brought. I think the acquisitions have been just fabulous. Uh, Taylor Rapp is really, I mean he is he's like glue on guys, and so um and he and he wraps up. Yeah. He, he certainly does, and that's you know all tribute to Aaron Donald too. He gives everybody else the ability to to kind of expand on their own games and gives them kind of that one on one time uh, that allows them to break free. But you're right, and uh, you know aside from the defense, who is is obviously playing well as, as a whole, uh, what can you see too from McVeigh? Because I know that you mentioned McVeigh in his offense. What can you see him implement a little bit more, or when the box is stacked? Um, you know, it's, it seems to be affecting the Rams' run game. It seems like Matt Patricia kind of laid that out. Uh, you know, last year a little bit. So, are, are you kind of seeing uh, an area that McVeigh can improve? Well, I, you know, I think what you're talking about is that New England defense where they kind of went with a six-one, um, kind of you know try to get, get everybody in the zone. You know, the Rams are a zone running scheme, and so you know the fact is if you've got one more in the zone than you can block, it makes things more difficult, especially when you're talking about eleven personnel. So, eleven personnel meaning one tight end and one running back. Um, so I think that, you know, some of the things that we'll probably see, I know there was an experiment in the off season with personnel groups. There was 10 group trying to bring in four wide outs and one running back to try to put teams in different positions that they're not as comfortable in, uh, but you're still running your same system. You know, you, you take Everett or Higby out and you bring in Reynolds, um, those types of things, the mismatch things, we're really not in a position to run 22 personnel, the two tight ends, and two backs. Um, but maybe some of that to, to help change up the looks, I think, would be beneficial for your offensive line. Um, those, those are, you know, and that, that's up to McVay on his matchups. You know, he runs the most 11 personnel in the league. Um, I think that, you know, once you get into that, this is what we are, um, teams will plan against you. And so that's what we're seeing. I think one of the things you could do in a six versus six one is bring in a guy like Henderson to get speed on the outside because that absolutely kills that defense. Speed outside. And I think that's what the jet sweeps try to get done. Um, I thought the jet sweep with the double reverse was kind of a cool wrinkle. Uh, the inside trap that, uh, that Woods ran, I think, is a good good wrinkle to that. Um, but I think you need speed. And if, you know, if you're not getting it from Gurley Brown, then let's use Henderson to get, to get outside wide on that. So what the Rams are getting off the slow starts, and um, 
Dean had touched on Matt Patricia's formula and sort of the offense has stalled a bit, especially over the last eight regular season games or so. Um, I'm wondering if you think that there's something they can do to sort of jumpstart the offense a bit because they are getting off to a slow start. And the good news is the talent does eventually step up and take control of the game. But these slow starts are not something that we've seen um, under McVay until uh, until late. So is there anything they could do differently to get these teams off to a faster start? I think that's a that's a issue. You know, teams are always working on something. Hey, we need to start faster. Or, uh, hey, we need to score more once we get into the red zone. Or, hey, we need to convert more third downs. There's always going to be a deficiency on every offense. I don't, I don't care which one you play on, every perfect offense. I'm sure they're working on something in Kansas City, and Mahomes is throwing, you know, everything out. So, there's always areas you can improve on. Of course, they want to get out of the gate and score quicker. I think that just, I think McVay has been forced to be a little bit more tentative on his play, so we don't get gashed up the gut with, um, you know, with some of our younger guys that we have to kind of play around until they, until they get, you know, solid in there. And I, I'm not trying to place blame that it's, you know, that it's, you know, the center or the guards. I'm just saying, that collectively as a group that's got to turn into one of our assets for us to be able to open up holes. I, you know, you talk about Gurley's knee or this or that. I didn't see Brown running through, you know, a bunch of big holes either. They're no. just, they're not, they're not there. And, you know, it, it, it's just where we are. It's a state of, it, we haven't had, um, you know, when you remove a Staffold and, and those type of guys, um, it makes change and change is tough sometimes. And we've played two games on the road. So how much harder is it for, you know, a, a young quarterback? Jared's only still 24 years old, for gosh sakes. How hard it is for them to um, play on the road in, in, you know, loud, noisy stadiums? Oh, I'm <laughs> telling you, that's, that's incredibly hard. And, and, and you know what? Credit to, let's just take the Browns since that was just the latest one. The dog pound is alive, folks. I mean, it is, and it's a tough place to play. It's been that way. I remember back in the years when they were in their heyday. Um, they were, it's it's very difficult place. And they it was fun to, you know, see that come alive and see them have national exposure. And it was, it was cool again. Um, but it makes it difficult. Um, I don't, there was times that that Jared Goff could not hear the signal from even in his helmet. So I mean that that makes it tough to when you can't relay the signal into the quarterback uh, from the coach um, to get the play in, more or less maybe change the play. Yeah, and what does that do to the overall game plan too? So what is you know if, if you're in that position and you know you have McVeigh kind of going back and forth, and there was a moment in that game too. Uh, late in uh, what was it? Late in the f- fourth quarter, with what two minutes and thirty seconds left, where Jared Goff may had a bad read and, and made an errant throw. Is there a situation too where you know maybe you'd be going back and forth with Sean McVay, or, or maybe you would disagree? Well, you gotta know your environment you play in. I mean, there's times when you get in any playoff. If you're in a playoff game and on the road, I can tell you it's gonna be it's gonna be loud, and you've got to you know change your game plan into knowing you can only do certain things or at the line you better have hand signals you've got to you've got to be you know an experienced team to be able to function um efficiently in a in a you know hostile environment um can that get better absolutely can jared Goff make better decisions on certain times like you know the third and one where he tries to throw the ball in but he could have maybe run for the you know a yard and a half to get the first down i think those are the types of things that 
that, you know, will drive a coach crazy when he knows that, hey, you know, we're on this part of the field. We need to do this. We need to keep the ball. We need to, you know, just make a first down or, you know, throw it out of bounds and kick field goal or whatever it might be. Um, those are those are things that happen to every human that plays the game. Yeah. Sometimes sometimes you're you know a miracle worker and sometimes you're a heel. But you know, you just do the best you can. I think when Terry Goff looks back on this film, yeah, would he tuck and run it that one time? Yeah. I think later in the game you saw Jared Goff after that play tuck and run it a few more times saying, Hey, let's just get some positive yards because this is a tough, tough game. Yeah. That was smart. You're right. You're you're right. And do you see that natural progression with Jared Goff? I know that we're in what, year three and a half at this point. Uh, so are you seeing that natural progression with him? And I, he made a couple nice plays where he stepped aside of a pass rush. He stepped up in the pocket. And we know that Baker Mayfield is kind of having those those same kind of problems too, where there's a pass rush and he's being flushed out of the right side of the pocket and is forced to make a throw on the run, which is something that he's, he seems to be really comfortable with. So are you seeing I'm, that with I'll Goff? I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this right now. Baker Mayfield's offensive line and Jared Goff's offensive line, two whole different animals. Baker Mayfield has no time. Baker Mayfield has to create time off the RPOs um, just to buy time. Any time that they have to hold the ball with that offensive line, Baker Mayfield's in trouble. And he's moving because he has to. But it's different with Jared. Jared is doing a nice job of sliding, of moving, making plays. He's not perfect. You know, he gets a ball hit out. That's a fumble. I mean, those, those things happen when you play the game. Um, awareness, I think, is good. I think his confidence is actually a little bit maybe too high on some things where he thinks he can still fit things in when he doesn't need to, when he could just hit, you know, Todd Gurley over the middle uh, for a six-yard game and go to the next down. I think that's where he is in his confidence when you get to a point when you're like, oh, uh, you know, almost to the point where I need a cape, I'm Superman. No, you don't have to be that way all the time. And it's, that's the hard part, keeping yourself in check. And that's what McVay's good about with Jared Goff and the progression. That was why I think they'll they'll be just fine. Aaron Rodgers, Mahomes, they all go through the same thing with their coaches. It's natural. And, and Jim, why do you, it seems like Gurley's a little less utilized in the pass game this year than the last couple of year, seasons. Do you think that's by design to, with his load management? Or do you think... Um, I don't know. They're just not springing him loose on some some uh, exotic play calls or something. Um, I, I think it's a combination of what we're you know what we're facing, um, what the defenses are doing. You know, I, I, I'll I'll straight up disagree that I think against that six one New England front that I think that the quick screens or little things are, are good plays. I don't agree with that. Yeah. Um, I think you attack them. You attack them wide. You attack them deep. You attack you know you attack that defense, but. Um, you know, the trickery parts are, are whatever, um, but that's part of the whole I can't do that McVay does, and that's what his whole thing is. And you gotta appreciate what he what his brand is, and that's him. Um, and he's been very very successful with it. I don't think it's for any one of us to second guess it. No, but you know, with all these the proliferation of his uh, coaching tree now matriculating into the NFL. Do you, do you think it's changing or it's, it's affecting his um, ability to be exotic and different in his, in his approach? Boy, I, I mean, I can tell you, I, I've seen some still some some new stuff coming out, and I've been watching. I don't know if you watched that last game of the Browns where they did the jet sweep with the, with the double reverse off of it. I thought that was pretty cool. I don't see a bunch of other teams doing that. Um, but that's one way to get with on that, on that type of defense. Um, but 
you know, I think that every brand, if you go back to Bill Walsh, you go to, um, you know, with the West Coast, they all get copied. They all get played, and then and then defenses figure them out, and then you got to come up with a new wrinkle. That's just the evolution of the game. It's been going on since way before I even got into the game, all the way through the whole thing. But I think McVay, well, his key thing is he understands what the defenses are trying to get done, so he's going to try to go with step B, step C, step D, which I don't think really he did in the Super Bowl, but I think that he's prepared to do now. Yeah, and I think understanding all of that too, you know, you, you look at McVeigh and, and you look around at the rest of the team. When you understand all of that, everything that you just told us about, you know, your experience and the way that coaches go back and forth with their players and, you know, how good coaches are really able to step in and make an adjustment. And where do you see Rams fans? Because I know that you're really active on Twitter. Are you seeing <laughs> more of a divide in the fact that, you know, they're, they're confident in the approach and that McVeigh can make that adjustment? Or are you seeing more of the fact that, you know, it, it, this is, we're three and and we're happy with the fact that we're three and zero. Oh, it's it's Twitter, man. Everyone's all over the board. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's just the nature of the beast. That's right? true. Well, the sea level has been rising with success, right? So, God yeah. forbid you're off target a little bit and folks get a little erratic. Yeah, I, I've seen some, uh, and I actually made a post on this too. I mean, it's like sometimes I feel like you know some people believe that you know we're zero and three, and the fact is we're three and zero, and we're not perfect. But, you know, the fact that, that great teams find a way to win is a, is a sign of a great team. Um, and that's just that's just what happens. If you take the Miami Dolphins, who went undefeated, I guarantee every one of their victories weren't pretty. And yeah. the yeah. defense had to win some. Or the run game. I mean, that's just, that's just what happens on those, the chemistry of each team. And that's why every year is so different. This year is so different. Our offense and defensive line are are new there's new guys okay we got the same runner we got the same receivers we got the same uh, we got a quarterback with another year and a little bit bigger checkbook but that shouldn't affect what's going on except for the fact that we got some other new players that need to you know figure it out and the defense certainly has been figuring it out um you know the Weddle addition make clay matthews some some uh, more playing time for the linebackers mm-hmm. I, I didn't expect the defense to be this awesome for a lack of a better word in the first uh three games of the season um anything that you see there that they're doing differently or you think just better personnel well i I think they're getting lined up properly Mm -hmm. Uh, a number one i I think you know we take it let's go back and look at our both of our corners you know i don't think people have even really called their names out it's not like they're making huge plays but they're they're locking people down and when you're doing that then all of a sudden everyone else I think Clay Matthews I know he spent some years up in Green Bay but I, I watched there was four or five years they were moving him back to middle linebacker and they were they were killing him he was playing so many downs his natural position is what he's playing for the Rams on the outside and he, he's he's naturally good at it and it's allowing him to just use his natural talents Weddle lining guys up this and that I think it's I think it's it's perfect. I think you know having a spokesperson and then having a rap back there. I think as far as dying people, um, is a, is another guy who not only can cover, but in an open field tackle situation, I take rap all day long. Yeah, so, I, I think you made a really good point too on on Clay Matthews. Taylor Rapp's been playing really well. There's no question about that. Uh, I think he's on the field for what seventy five, eighty percent of the snaps now at this point. 
Um, but as, aside from him, you have Clay Matthews, who now has, what, four sacks this year. He had three and a half all of last season. There was an opportunity to move him into that Mike linebacker position, right, when, when uh, Michael, Michael Kaiser went down and you had Bryce Hager there. But you're, that's the thing about the defense. It seems like Wade Phillips is utilizing all of these key components really well. And now there's actually an opportunity uh, for the defense to be able to win us games. And, and Jim, did you have any teams that you played for that you experienced that with, or did you feel like well, the I, I majority of? Another, another, before we before we jump onto my experiences, Littleton is another guy that's playing at a very high level. I mean, he's he's had to play against Kamara. He's had to play against uh, Chubb here. And you know that's not an easy job to do, especially when you got one on one. You know, route running, but he's covering them up, and that's allowing. You know, we didn't have that last year when we played him more as the heavy hitter that we Hager is now playing. So um, it's it, it free him up to be himself. So what I'm seeing is Wade is putting guys in their natural position and letting them play, and they're they're doing a good job. Um, I'm sorry, you asked me some other question about did I experience some of that on my team? Has, that, have you ever had a defense that was playing up to the level that the, the Rams defense is playing right now? Mm, I, you know, we had some good defenses with with Kevin Green. Uh, when Fred Shermer was running the 3-4 defense, kind of similar to what Wade was doing. Um, when we had the right personnel, it, it was it was good, but not as good as what they what they're running right now. And, and and having the kind of disturbance in the middle of Aaron Donald, I mean, I don't think unless you played with a team that had Reggie White on it or Lawrence Taylor, you you wouldn't know what that would be like. Yeah, so you're in agreement that you you truly believe Aaron Donald is that player. So it's because you know it's you got the the uh, Skip Baylesses of the world who who watches game tape of of Aaron Donald and says, I don't really think he's that great of a player, but he's that disruptive. I just want to make sure that you're on that same page. Skip who? <laughs> he's just I, an actor, I, right? I have no idea where people can come up with stuff like that. I, I this really is probably one of the, the best guys to, to ever, you know, suit up in a uniform. And I, I would challenge anybody that thinks that he's just another guy to line up against him just one time. Because <laughs> the guy's a freak. And there's, there's certain teams i remember when we played to play a philadelphia team they had jerome brown and reggie white and i mean there's just certain things that you can do and certain things you can't do against them because of you know limited and that's what that's what aaron donald brings against that he takes part of the offense away um the opposing offense because if you do it you're going to expose your quarterback and we saw some of that last night. And Kitchens was getting all over himself. I don't know if you heard him after the game saying, I shouldn't be making those calls. I shouldn't do that. And yeah. he was right. <laughs> he said, I should have run, right? I should have ran the ball four times. And he said, actually, <laughs> sarcastically, I should have ran it once. He was pretty interesting post-game. Yeah. I, I, I've been watching Rams games, Jim, for 45 years or so. And I don't think I've ever seen a more consistent, high-level play from one single player and I'm even talking about Dickerson and, and some amazing talented athletes that have, um, you know, come through. Maybe Marshall Falk was that consistent for four years or so. But my gosh, on every single play, he's doing something to impact the game. He is. He is. And, and it's his style of play that, that he plays is, is disruptive. I think that at some point in time, and one of the things that we, you know, we asked about, hey, if you're going to game plan against Aaron, what are you going to do? And I think one of the things that you do with this, 
definitely like a, a stunt jumper that he that he is is you run right at him yeah so he can't so he can take himself out of the play because if he jumps through a gap then and he goes you know the wrong way you can just keep using his leverage so those are the things that i would foresee going through the future is that teams are going to say you know what let's just let's just let's just run right at him so we don't have to worry about him jumping behind us or whatever, or running down the play from behind. I mean, that's what we did with Lawrence Taylor. We just tried to run at him. So yeah. we couldn't, you know, try to, try to, try to, you know, like for example, Aaron Donald wants to just pin his ears and go up, up, up field so fast. But if you start running right at the guy, he's got to start looking a little bit. So he thinks, and so I think that's what the other thing is you're going to see teams. There's going to be a team out here that doesn't block him. Just lets him run, and they're going to trap him. Yeah, that's a good so, point. Uh, well, a gain of nothing is better than a gain, or better than a loss of six, right? Well, there's no reason to waste the block run right. on him just to miss. So just just go ahead and void him, go up to the next level, and just have the next guard or, or tight end or wham guy or or whatever it's going to be, you know, take him there. And I think you're going to see those mix ups. Um, but then again, Wade's going to counter that by moving them all over the place, so you can't just like zone in on when you're going to win them. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So. Well, we, Jim, we have two more quick questions for you before we let you go. Uh, we definitely wanted to get your pulse on the fact that the LA Chargers are having a hard time selling out the StubHub Arena. And uh, we kind of want to get your, your feel on, uh, you know, obviously we have one team in Los Angeles that is superior to another. Uh, <laughs> from a fan base perspective. <laughs> well, and from a, you know, an overall skill perspective as well. Uh, Chargers are one and two. But, yeah, Jim, I wanted to get your, your pulse on that. I think the Chargers are a better football team than the record. They've been competitive. There's two of the, two of the games that they lost they could easily won. But, you know, it's neither here nor there. I think as, as far as taking the Charger fans, I, fe- I feel for the whole fan base. Mm-hmm. But we're, we're in an age of stadium economics. And they weren't going to get one built in San Diego. Yeah. Or at least they weren't going to get it funded because Spanos does not have the same type of money that Kroenke has. I mean... Stan is putting up four to five billion dollars of his own dough to get the stadium done. Now, not a lot of owners can do that, right. and Spanos is certainly not one of them, and neither is um, the Davis family with the Raiders. So they're kind of at the mercy of where do I go to be relevant? It's unfortunate that you know, I, I, it's it's unfortunate that it comes down to that, or you know, they have to move their fan base. But San Diego's not stepping up to build a stadium. Nope. And, do you and think- so I don't, I don't, I don't see where the the complaint is. It's like I got to go. There was a time back when the Rams were in Cleveland back in the, I believe it was the thirties, and they they moved to L.A. And the reason why they moved to L.A. is because this Coliseum was built out here, and they knew they could fill it because they had a really good team. And so they moved to L.A. And I, I, I get that. So when teams have to move to a stadium, I get it. It's not against the fan base. It's un, it's unfortunate, but it is what it is. No, but what do you, I mean? What about though the fact that they're not selling PSLs as well as the Rams? And what predicament or what, what do you think? How how is that all going to transpire between the fan base in LA and ownership uh, uh, arguments and what how that all is going to transpire over the next two or three years? All right, uh, I'll I'll jump all the because uh, I think all the rest of the stuff is like is is you know it's just blemishes yeah i think i think when spanos sells the team to an la-based person yeah 
whoever that is, that can embrace the L.A. community with his L.A.-based Chargers because he's an L.A. guy, then it's over. All I think the rest of the stuff takes care of itself. Gotcha. But until then, I think you have too much stigma, you have too much all of those stuff. Um, I think it would be a PR plus uh, for Spanos to sell. Yeah, I think it's safe to say that you know most Rams fans are just going to kind of keep their blinders on to the fact that you know the Chargers are kind of doing their own thing. But if we're focused on on growing the the Ramley, as we say, and making sure that you know our team is making the necessary adjustments, we can't be mad as fans, right? No, well, the Jets and Giants have been doing it for years, guys. Exactly. I mean, this isn't, it's not a this big isn't deal. new. Yeah. When you when you go to the used to be called the Meadowlands, I think it's called MetLife now, but whatever that stadium in New Jersey. Like they both call themselves New York, but they're New Jersey. But anyways, when they're they've been doing it for years, and um, it can work. I, I under, just understand that there's just so much hardship when a team moves, and I get that. Our team moved from Los Angeles. Yeah, we, to, we get that better than anybody else, right? They went there for the money. Yep. And they came back for the money. So don't think it's any different than any other team. It could have easily well been Jacksonville that came here. It could easily been, but the fact that our Rams came back here, amazing. Yeah. So I wouldn't really worry about the Chargers. It's all financial based, anyways. Um, but I'm sure there's some bigger picture things that need to happen. But it shouldn't affect the Rams fans. Yeah, definitely not. We figured we run it by you. All right, Jim. Last question for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Last question for you. Uh, wanted to get uh, get an idea of of what you think the Rams are, are going to have in front of them with Tampa Bay in the Coliseum on Sunday. Do you, do you think that they're going to be able to handle that game pretty well, or, or do you think Tampa Bay has a chance? Uh, hey, every given Sunday there's a chance. That's why they play it. So, yeah, Tampa Bay, I mean, that would be, like, huge upset, right? But um, that's why they play the game. I think you got, you know, some – some good receivers with Tampa. I think Tampa's trying to, with, I know Bruce Arians well, who's the head coach. I was down in New Orleans with him. I think I think that team is just learning what Bruce wants in his offense. Jamison hasn't been, he had a better game last week than he, than he did the week before. But I'd say by game eight, game nine, game ten, Winston's going to be a much better quarterback than he is game one, game two, game three. Yeah. I, mean, I experienced that with Ernie Zampezi. Yeah, and they they got a stacked front four too. What they've been picking at the top of the draft for a really long period of time now. Now Todd Bowles looks like he's going to come in, and you know if you move that Giants game aside, he's going to implement some type of, of difficult defense to be able to play against. We're just hopeful that we don't see the same thing in the first half as we've seen in the last you know what three games or so. Uh, well, you but, will. We will. I mean, that's what that's the the nature of the piece. They're copycats. They're like, hey, this slows them down. Let's try it. Yeah, you know, hey, that's but, a good point. You you have told us that throughout this interview. And, it, and we're, we're going to see, I would I would say, if we see more of that, I would say at some point in time, we're going to see an insertion of Henderson, and he's going to get a flip sweep and get him out in space, and they're going to say, oh, shit, we can't run that against him. Yeah, well, it's a good point. I mean, it's it, it's time, and I think if you're going to be worried about the offense and it's December, then it's okay to be concerned about the, the offense once December and January comes around. But right now, you're right. They're still working out the kinks. They're going to be able to utilize a couple other key key uh, draft picks and some other players that they brought in. And I think that there's a lot of opportunity to be able to, to improve on the offense as you've. Well, and on, on, on the other side, I know we have Demby in at right guard, but I could right. easily see, you know, um, you know, uh, health, healthy Blythe get back. I could either see Bobby Evans, maybe getting a little playtime at that right guard spot. I mean, they're going to be mixing and matching and see what, 
what works and what's going to be the right combination. I think Aaron Cromer's going to, you know, he's probably burning the midnight oil to make sure that <laughs> he gets his guys ready. Yeah. It'd be yeah. interesting that, that right guard spot is really going to be interesting to see what happens there. Yeah, I think the biggest takeaway for Rams fans is they kind of have to have confidence in the staff at this point, right, that they're going to put in the, the right player. You have a pretty yeah. decent sample size with Demby at this point. So if you have Bobby Evans that come in or, or David Edwards, another draft pick, come in and make make an impact, that's going to happen. Well, I, I could easily see uh, Bobby coming in first. I, I think he's, he would be, you know, he's really a tackle, but to, to come in at the guard position, there's a lot of guards um, that that – initially early in their career will play guard and then out then move out to tackle as they get you know more experience because mm-hmm. it's a little bit tougher out of the tackle position but yeah i think that would be a natural progression are we there today or this week i don't know but i wouldn't be surprised to see some sort of mixed match there yeah i couldn't agree more all right yeah. jim thank you so so much for for spending some time with us tonight and joining the show i think fans are going to love to hear from you again i know that you know you have a great personality on twitter and overall we We've just been so thankful for the fact that you've been able to join our show. So just, just wanted to say thanks, re- and the floor's yours. Yeah, thanks. I really appreciate it. Just know that on the Twitter, just take take what I threw out there with some grain of salt because I like to have a lot of fun. <laughs> and come join me. You know, anytime you want, just look up Jim underscore Everett and, uh, you know, follow up and, you know, shoot me your questions. And I, I usually try to get back to them. So yeah, anyways, you, guys, you do a great enjoy job. Your show. Thanks, Thank you. thanks so much, Jim. Have a good night, man. Yeah. Right, man. Uh, thank you everybody for listening so much it's we did this in the beginning so we can be more a part of a of a collective fan base with the ramily and uh, i'm glad that we found that with all you guys it's such a pleasure doing this uh dean this is like one of my favorite things to do in the week so thank you for uh for letting me uh be your sidekick i guess of course i guess we're gonna have to give you the uh the podcast version of an emmy for greatest supporting actor as the co-host, <laughs> you've been fantastic so far. I'll um, take that. Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, yeah, thank you guys. Nick said it as, as well as I possibly could have. Cue that goddamn King K. Rule music. <laughs> What's it called? Planka Gangalang? Gangplak Gallant. Yeah. All right. Cut. <laughs> Hard-earned victory tonight. You can't say enough about the defense's effort. I mean, really, all 11. I think just the overall effort. You look at the way that we were swarming to the football. But I thought the fact that we were able to consistently apply pressure with a four-man rush, play good coverage on the back end, and I think, uh, you know, hats off to the defense tonight. Cooper Cups. Touchdown, LA! Okay. Cooper to have 11 catches on 12 targets says as much as you need to know. Uh, came up with two crunch time touchdowns that obviously we had to have to get the win tonight. Jared did a great job of, of delivering a great ball, and he aggressively crossed face. So, th- I mean, there were so many plays that he made tonight that were timely for us, and, and we needed every single one of them. <laughs> he just continues to get himself open and, and just finds ways to be on the same page with me. And him and Robert and Brandon all played well, I thought. Again, I thought we had our moments on offense, especially in the past game where we were moving the ball pretty good down the field. And, I wish it would have been more than that offensively, but our defense, you know, held us down tonight and did their thing. It's big. That's what, you know, you don't have any style points. You know, it's about winning and uh, it's about finding a way to win the football game. We did that as a team, uh, and that's the beauty of it is I think there's a lot of things that we can continue to do better, and and we have to do better, but, um, you know, getting the win is what matters the most. Uh Uh-oh, spaghetti is a good thing right now and, and a real credit to our players their resilient mindset and mentality and our coaches did a nice job as well
You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed.